we're going to die someday, and we're going to regret this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. You should already regret it. I tried so to table well. it. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Bing bang boom. And from music video sins, Barrett Share. Yow! Ooh. Yow, <laughs> Axel Rose in the studio. <laughs> and now he's gonna have a coughing thing. <laughs> you guys came correct. That one, that one tickled me in places I didn't realize I had. Makes you wonder how dude does the Krusty the Clown voice without <laughs> having a coughing fit every 20 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> that won't it up. Um, yeah, so uh, good, good, good job with the acknowledgments today, guys. Of uh, you know when um, when I when I said your name, you had you had something new uh, yeah. uh, loaded up in the chamber. You came from um, there, but uh, you know today. Uh, so today, like as we're recording, not as you are listening to this, uh, we released a special video for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure on our Patreon. Yeah, and it's uh, a whole sins video, whole sins video, a whole mm-hmm. sins video. Um, one, and uh, yeah, the, there, you know, in the number of tiers, I think this is the ten dollar peepers tier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And time. <laughs> What's that? I said and above. $10 yeah, $10 and above. above. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So like the $25, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you have to just, you have to just pay 10. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, we came out with that video. We can, we come out with uh, bonus videos like that every month, not always like a full fledged, uh, sins video, but, uh, we've done three, right. Aside from the sin week. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. There are yeah. about now, uh, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine, nine videos that you can only see on our member page at Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash cinema sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're awesome. They're things like, didn't we do a few good men on Patreon? We did. That mm-hmm. was a uh, one. game night. You, you sin cast listeners know how hard we went at fucking few good men. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you will enjoy that. You will enjoy Bill and Ted because we, that movie ain't perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. You also, you can, you get the whole back catalog, right? You yep. can, you yep. can sign up and it's not just Bill and Ted. You get access to all them shits. That's yeah. Right. Those, uh, a couple of months ago we did overlord, Mm-hmm. Um, we also had game night as, as Jeremy alluded to, uh, the, uh, the first Pokemon, the first Pokemon movie that came to the States, I think anyway, who knows, mm-hmm. the who first knows movie. really, who knows really if that was the first anything Pokemon, but it was, it was out, uh, for, uh, you know, first, I think we did that. We had that sin week battlefield earth. Yeah. Another one that oh, we had. Okay up there one of the worst um, movies of all time love actually one of the yeah. biggest casts of all time right yep exactly <laughs> which means it has wonderful. everybody in it yeah yeah anything with a great cat you know a big cast barrett loves it um <laughs> but uh yeah there's a there's a quite a few of those and then uh sprinkled in we have like extra outtakes that we didn't do um 
uh we have uh we have whole like five minute long videos of outtakes that we yeah those are awesome um sometimes we'll do uh the some of the sins that we cut from another from another script when we had like you know 300 or something you know uh in a in a raw script you know it just becomes a whole other like uh everything wrong with after that um so yeah i mean we got a lot of that stuff and and you know and what else do we do we have a whole bunch of other stuff we do it's not even just videos well lower tiers get every video get all our content early um Mm -hmm. at any tier uh there's also a monthly bonus audio podcasts uh from both us and behind the sins uh where we answer questions that largely come from uh the patreon members and uh other stuff dick pics um right we, you know, eat sushi off of nipples mm-hmm. um, that's not gonna make that. sense for another hour and a half but it won't when you get to the outtakes it'll make and will sense. it really make sense then yeah no, it, it really may won't. not it may not then either because somebody's gonna be like you didn't you, you didn't put the light soy on it and then uh, and, and that won't make sense to them um, yeah but, membership starts at three dollars a month uh, it's basically, you can get stuff early. You can get personalized stuff from us. Uh, another tier has handwritten notes, uh, that we send out to our members at that tier. That is the, uh, living in sin tier. And trust me, you want to get all of our notes, but especially Jeremy's, uh, they're very entertaining. Uh, and you get discounts on merch. You get, uh, access, early access to sin week stuff. Uh, hopefully you like us. If you like us considering, uh, consider signing up. Uh, for for being a member, a Sin Club member at patreon.com slash cinemasins. We love you. We we interact with you. We like to talk to you. We were just talking to a bunch of you uh, this morning. So, uh, yeah, if you, mm-hmm. if, you, if you feel so inclined, do it. Yeah, do it. Do it. All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, does anybody have um, anything that they're really, really angry about? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Mm-hmm. 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 Probably some things have been stewing in you, right, for the past few weeks. Yes, I've got two things that I'm angry about. One just happened to me the last couple of days, and I'm oh, so fuck. mad I'm showing Here my we teeth go. about it. Oh, Barry, Jesus. Changed his face. I'm Fucking seeing veins. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to get takeout. A few times mm-hmm. uh, during this these times, these yeah. <laughs> pandemic times. <laughs> yes. Takeout, meaning like drive-through takeout. Drive-through. Right. First of all, put on your fucking masks when mm. it, even in your car when you mm. go through a drive-through because the droplets are coming, are transmitting from you even in the safety of your own car to the poor window person, okay? So do that. People aren't doing that. I'm doing that. Anyway, every time I pull in, I swear to God, going up to Wendy's. God damn, this is this this is making me angry already. I was going up to Wendy's, and there's two cars ahead of me. Look at the the drive-through, empty. I'm like, yeah, I can pull in and out there. These two cars pull into the drive-in line right in front of me. Fine, fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then let's talk about etiquette in the drive-through line, you mm-hmm. motherfucker, mm-hmm. you motherfuckers. Right? Mm-hmm. Look, look. Don't stop your car. In the middle of a drive-in or a drive-through, okay? Mm-hmm. There's no reason to stop your car. You think you're saving gas? No, because then you got to take the ignition and it's got to create the spark <laughs> to get your fucking engine People running. People are turning car. off the ignition when they're in the in the drive-through. Yes, That's people are turning stupid. it off. Yeah, yes. it's really fucking dumb. 
And so I have to wait the extra 30 seconds it takes for you to crank up your Volkswagen from 1973. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always one of those. And also, if the car in front of you moves ahead six inches to better position themselves to the fucking the, the ordering place, the, the and then type of thing, yeah. you don't have to move that extra six inches as well. Because I see your brake lights go, and I'm like, okay, let's go. And then uh, there's nothing, okay? So you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Then if you are ordering for – this is the last one. This is the last one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. If you are ordering for your entire office – Go to hell. Or your entire family yeah. – Go to hell. Yeah. Call ahead or go into the goddamn store. I don't want to see a phone hanging out or a post-it note hanging out of a window going, okay, Oh, and God. now get me uh, number one, then a number one. You got to figure out your size. Then you got to figure out your drink. Then you got to yep. figure out your sauce. And yep. then, okay, now give me three number sevens. And hey, God, go to I, want to, I want to fucking do what Jeremy did to that I guy. Have- Beginning at the front of the uh, parking oh, lot. So you want to break you your knee? And yell at him and then honk your horn vociferously. <laughs> and break your knee. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I have some things to say about this. I have I have strong opinions here that are in agreement with you. Um, the, it gets worse, I think, and compounded with these newfangled McDonald's double drive throughs. Yeah. Where dickheads want to take a position <laughs> that worst. is mine. This is the worst. Because you don't understand who ordered first. You have no awareness whatsoever. You just want to go. Mm-hmm. And I have twice. Now, it's not been in the pandemic. But I have twice in these drive throughs almost been given the wrong order. Because some dim fucking bulb decided to not pay any attention to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the multiple orders thing, I don't. I haven't been to a Starbucks in forever since the pandemic. But when I used to go every day, there's nothing worse than somebody who's ordering nine drinks at once. Yeah, for they like, get like a whole, whole like, office. Like, well, and it takes long enough for of one shit. of those things to get made. Just, well, and yet you fuck up everybody in store. You fuck up everybody in the drive-through, and it's the worst. Don't do it. Just don't do you, it. And you know what? You know what? This is not unpreventable, people. You ever been through a Chick Fil A line? Yeah, it's choreographed like the Bolshoi Ballet. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. it's long. It's gonna be long, but you're gonna get through that shit in no time flat. Faster than some restaurants do three cars. Sometimes. Yes, yes, it's gonna be long. But they have people. First of all, they pay as as shitty as Chick Fil A is corporate wise. They they pay their employees well. They are respectful, and they always get things right. And they have people positioned in the right places. To move that shit along expediently. They are. So this is not unpreventable. They are, yes, again, uh, to remind everybody that Chick fil A does have some shitty people with some shitty uh, ideal. I, yes. I, I, you know, but uh, the thing that they they show more than anything is that when you pay people and you, and you have a lot of staff, people will go to your store because guess what? They know that they're going to get their shit. And they're the going to get it fast. And there's a reason it's the fastest growing chain in the U.S., right? Yeah. It's not just because religious people flock to it. No. It's not, not the only reason. The food right. is good. They're very efficient. Everybody's very polite. I've never had a bad experience at a Chick-fil-A. I know. The last time I went time. to Chick-fil-A, there was like 80% were atheist as fuck that went through it. <laughs> 
They had a bumper sticker and everything. Yeah, I need that on a shirt. I'm atheist as fuck, and I'm only going to wear it when I go to Chick Fil A. You know, it's funny. You know, you 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 bring this up because, and this is not a rant uh, as far as drive-throughs are concerned, but it was just one of those things that it just kind of sucks. I'm sure you guys have been through this before, but I was coming away from your house because I was delivering uh, your thank you cards to Mm. you. And, but you can uh, get on Patreon, by the way. <laughs> yes, you can get on Patreon. Um, but uh, I was like, all right, I'll 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 break down. I'll go to fucking Wendy's. I didn't really want to. I haven't been to a Wendy's in forever, but I was real hungry and I wanted to do it. So, so like, I, you know, I'm in, I'm in uh, Barrett's side of town and I'm like, oh, this is where you turn for the Wendy's. And it wasn't the place where you turn. Nope. There's like three um, turns right in a row in that area. So I, I I went in and I was like, oh, well, surely I can get to the Wendy's from this place. No, because everybody blocks their shit off for some yeah. reason. I'll never understand. Um, but uh, so I was like, finally got back onto the road to turn right so that I could turn right immediately after that again. And I was behind <laughs> like two cars and those two cars turn and i'm like cool going to wendy's now bitches and then like the both of those fucking cars both of them went into wendy's i I was like i was like what what is the fucking chances (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and that is a poor wendy's there are good wendy's out there jeremy used to live Next to a spectacular Wendy's, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and I and, and there are some iffy Wendy's, and I got one of the iffy Wendy's. Yeah. And God, what what I thought you were going to say, Jeremy, is not only the ones that are oblivious on the double line, the mm-hmm. double line for McDonald's. It's the ones that are aggressive about it. They're oh, yeah. saying, "I got mine later than yours, but I'm going to get ahead of you," and they will force their way in yes. to where you either get into a low speed wreck going one mile an hour or mm-hmm, you fucking mm-hmm. or you just stop and let this yahoo through yep. so that's <laughs> that's fucking crazy it is it yeah. is i i'm gonna bring a happy spin to the rant section today oh, and okay. rant, Please I'm gonna rant about something that i fucking love oh shit i don't know how wide this goes across the company but the krogers in my area and i we were predominantly kroger and Publix in my area um with a few mom and pop independents. We don't have any Whole Foods anywhere near me. I'd have to go downtown to Nashville to get to one of those. Um, Anyway, uh, we end up shopping at both of these places, Publix and Kroger, just by nature of various products that only one store carries. Kroger has been doing this thing for a year or two now where they pre-cut. Have I already ranted about this? No, They pre-cut a dozen or so deli meats and cheeses in the morning. And then mm-hmm. they pre-cut a dozen or so boar's head deli meats and cheeses. And they have this big, wide-ass cold case outside the deli where, during a pandemic, I don't have to go stand in line six feet apart from people. I don't have to talk and expel aerosol things to a, a deli guy to slice my meat. Uh, I don't have to interact with strangers. I can literally walk in, boar's head ham. Great. Got it. Uh, Kroger brand turkey with pepper in it. Got it. Boom. And I'm out the door. And Publix doesn't do this. And I have not bought lunch meat from Publix in a year because Mm. of it. Mm. And this is important to note because you could get pre-sliced Pepperidge Farm or whatever it is in the the other part of the the store. 
but, but you that was pre-sliced, pre-sliced week, weeks ago. Yes, with all yes, these preservatives in it, and and so th- this has been mind blowing. I agree one hundred percent with you. Yeah, is that uh, you can get the the freshly sliced stuff even if it's on sale, and it's right there. I, yeah. I totally agree. I literally, it's, last time I went grocery shopping, I went to Publix, which is closer to my house, got 99% of what we needed, went to Kroger, and got two things of deli meat. That's it. <laughs> because I'm not going to spend 10 minutes talking to the deli person and waiting that line. I've never seen a deli counter that didn't have three fucking people in line waiting yep. to get some kind of meat sliced. So this has been a godsend for me. And uh, I, I wanted to happy rant about it and let people know if you have a Kroger in your area. See if they're doing it. My guess is it's company-wide. If you're out on the West Coast, that would be Ralph's or King Louis, whatever, F and R. I don't, they own like a dozen different grocery brands. Uh, but it probably you know, is King Louis. <laughs> Fresh, pre-sliced, everyday deli meat is the bomb shiznit. Do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have, can I ask a question real quick before Chris gets in there? Yes. You've been making a lot of grilled cheeses lately, right? Yes, I have. This may this may be the wrong time to get into this, but when does a grilled cheese cease to become a grilled cheese? Yeah, and I'm not gonna have and this. It becomes this is a, a sandwich. A, this is a hot dog sandwich. Debate. No, it's not. No, yes, it's it not. No, yes, it's it all right. Well, you, well, if, well if you, you're, have to table if you this. grill the sandwich and there's cheese on it, I think you can call it a grilled cheese. No, we've got a table. If I put discussion. onions on there, do I got to call it a grilled onion whomper? If whomper? I, I got to name it something different if I put anything but cheese on there? If you grill a, a burger patty and you put cheese on it, is That's that a, a grilled melt. cheese? That's a patty melt. That's already got a name. Mm-hmm. Which sandwich are you trying to define? Hot ham and cheese? That's got a name. Yeah, but but people say, people, people say grilled cheese and they put like fucking mushrooms and, and meats and stuff like that. That's not Sounds a grilled delicious. cheese. Sounds delicious. It's, uh, it does sound delicious, but it's not a grilled cheese. The Grilled Cheesery, one of the most famous grilled cheese food trucks in the world, uh, makes all kinds of like lamb stew in the middle of a grilled cheese. It's not a fucking grilled cheese. It's it a lamb sandwich cheese. with some it's cheese grilled, on it. And there's cheese in it. And Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. This is not a debate worth having. I, you are getting I, 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 I tried to table it. I tried to table it. No, you, you didn't. You, <laughs> you, really, you really didn't try very you hard. You failed at the tabling. Um... I put bacon in my grilled cheese all the time. It's not That's a, a fucking grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. Then yeah. what is it? Do I have to call it's it a, a beach, BC? Yeah. Bread. That's, that's somehow B-B. smarter than just calling it a grilled cheese. Mm, I get it. Makes I think sense. you're on an island, it should brother. Have I love cheese. You. It should just have cheese. It's a bacon sandwich. It's you a bacon sandwich. You're being elitist about like mm. a common food. Like there's no reason to do this. It's not elitist. You have the same I'm part of the about, common man. You have the same opinion about mac and cheese. If I put anything extra in mac and cheese, is it no longer mac and cheese? Mac and cheese has a structure, though. Of if it's primarily mac and cheese, so yeah, primarily grilled and oil. cheese. I can put onions or bacon in there. It's still primarily a grilled cheese. This is like we're gonna die someday, and we're gonna regret this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. You should already regret. I it. tried to so table will, it. So will the listeners. Let's move on. Um, let's get into something light. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, I, I can I can safely say that we're a left leaning podcast, right? I believe so. I people probably realize that by now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we have we have conservative listeners and everything. Um, 
there is there is one thing though that uh you know that that has come up recently where i'm like no you guys keep changing the fucking rules and mm-hmm. i don't want i you know i and in in this case something that would be against me quote unquote is something that i'm actually like not getting in a furor over like a lot of people are Mm. four years ago uh republicans very wrongfully um did not put a vote to merrick garland for the supreme Mm -hmm. court Mm-hmm. Very in- incorrectly, I feel like uh, you know they, they're the the reasoning behind all of that. And yes, you can go back. There's been other arguments about this in an election year. You shouldn't do such and so forth. Whatever. If the election, if the if the year the president is his president doesn't matter, then why do we even care? Like what that you know? Why do we even care? Like why do we even allow a president to be president in that election year if they're not allowed to do the things that they were elected for? So Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, and that was awful. That was just an awful thing. Obviously, you know, if you're left leaning, you were hoping that she could hang on for a while, um, and the. You know, of course, Donald Trump has 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 nominated his judge and there are a lot of concerns about her. And I guess rightfully so. But all the same people who were, you know, back in 2016, the Democrats who were trying to get Merrick Garland Garland in have suddenly gone into the whole we can't do it during an election year argument. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if it was wrong then, it's wrong now. And I yes. don't care if if we're getting a judge we don't want on a Supreme Court. That's not the way thing, things work. Um, you can it, a whole separate argument is whether or not uh, if you're you know if is whether Democrats have been represented on the Supreme Court in the last twenty years because it seems like every time it's time for a court opening Republican president is, is sitting there and it's it, like George W. Bush got two judges, Donald Trump, who did not win the popular vote has got three judges now. Uh, and then the Democrat, you know, you know, when Barack Obama's in office and he wants to fill a, fill an opening there, he's denied. Um, he did also I, get two, but, but he did still, get two. yeah. Yeah. But this whole thing about the election year, if the president is not the president in that year, and if you want to, if you want to change something in the Constitution that says that president's uh, actions don't matter anymore in an election year, then let's go ahead and do it, and then just have everything up to a popular vote at that point. Just everybody just votes on. So I don't know. It, 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 you can't vote somebody in for four years and say, "Oh, his decisions don't matter in the last year." Yeah, this is the clearest. This is the clearest evidence that I've seen, <laughs> despite what a crazy ride this year has been that neither side is really working for us. Mm-hmm. They're working against the other side. Yes. This is the very definition of what aboutism, right? Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it happens every day, right? Like you see Joe Biden make a flub and the right make fun of him for being old and having dementia. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't even see any flubs that Trump does. Yeah, it's crazy. Or they find Biden saying, applaud for that you crazy bastards like trump didn't say grab him by the pussy like mm-hmm. we, we put on blinders at this point and now it's now we're just 
trading punches back and forth, and the rules absolutely don't seem to matter. Trump has gotten away with a lot of stuff that would have gotten Obama in a lot of trouble. And mm-hmm. now both both sides have lost sight of the rules when it comes to the Supreme Court. Yeah, And I agree with you completely. I don't particularly want another conservative judge on the court for my personal politics, but the rules are the rules. And if yeah. we stop following them, that's where everything falls apart for me. Not, not, you know, Trump is evil or has undone yada yada. Like if we literally stop following the rules, both sides, then I got no one rooting for me anymore. I got nobody in my corner, right? It's every yeah. man for himself. Jesus, I, I couldn't have- agree more. You can have tons of arguments about what's fair and everything, and I can I can totally get down on that. But just to, you know, I, I, I feel like these things should matter so that when it comes up again, when your side is the one that's that's in power and everything, you don't have somebody saying, well, we really said we really have been doing this uh, in, in the past and, you know, there's nothing in the constitution that says you can't elect some or like push somebody forward in election year. Donald Trump should be able to do that January 19th. If he wants to, if they're going to, if you're going to allow them to have people, uh, if you're going to allow people to serve until January 20th, um, I, I, I will never understand this whole, it's an election year thing. It's all maneuvering. Um, yes. And then there's, you know, the, the, the other part of this is that, well, and you've always got to think about what each time you do something different is going to change things further down the road. Uh, a lot of talk has been about court packing and everything. And I understand that. Hey, there's nothing against, there's nothing against court packing. But if you say, I want to put four or five of my justices on there, by the way, I want a judge who is just looking at the law. I don't really right? want I don't really want <laughs> them to be like I'm going to do my liberal shit or my conservative shit. I yep. want somebody to look at the law and go, "Well, look, it says here that this then this is how I interpret it. It's not, well, in my personal beliefs or any of this bullshit. You know, I want somebody to do that." Anyway, court packing is another thing. If you if you add four or five more justices who are like, okay, these are liberal justices, guess what can happen the next time? You have a Republican president and Republican Senate. They're going He'll to have eight it. more judges. Exactly. Yeah. It just you, it never ends. Somebody has to turn the cheek. Somebody has to make rules that are unbreakable at this point. Somehow, some way, it's enforceable where you can't be Mitch McConnell and you can't be that person who says we're going to do it this way this time because uh, my pussy got hurt in 2000 about something. (laughs) And (laughs) I think he has a cloaca. (laughs) He does have a cloaca. Actually, should I probably, should I I change that? Should I stop? That that was beautiful. (laughs) He's not listening. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's it's not like, you know, it's not like wrong to say that or whatever. Um, you know, that, that's what we keep doing. I think, you know, I mean, you can look at a lot of different conflicts in the world and everything. And it always comes down to, well, they did this. So I did that. And so, oh, these people did that. And I just, at some point you got to turn the other cheek or else you're mm-hmm. just going to keep on doing this back and forth, back and forth. And everybody is fucking suffering because of this kind of tug of war that keeps going on over and over again. Eventually well, we got to turn cheek. That's why we haven't had any COVID relief stimulus in four months. Yeah. Because of this back and forth, back and forth. Both sides keep 
pushing their own agenda with the stimulus. And I'm not I'm not saying I don't prefer one side stimulus package to another's, but they they both are trying to be political about it and we're mm-hmm. getting nowhere. And yeah. there are people yeah. unlike us who are actually going to suffer from that you know we're going to be okay for a while but there are people who don't have jobs who are getting evicted who can't afford medicine and they're not getting anything because we're up there playing politics and your guy did this so our guy's going to do this and your guy has ukraine ties well uh, your guy has ukraine ties well you all fucking do (laughs) (laughs) i don't have i don't pretend to know what's all in these bills and everything i know the house of representatives passed a bill that the republicans basically said no you can't do that but then when the republicans want to pass a bill that's apparently less or whatever. Everybody says no, because we had this other bill that we wanted to, to pass. And it's like, at some point, you got to just say, people are suffering. Let's go ahead and do this and not worry about <laughs> worry about this type of shit um, and, and worry about what it looks like to you politically and everything. You do the right thing. People know what the right thing is, you know? Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe there are people who are just too easily led. That's then that's the majority at this point. Mm-hmm. They're just too mm-hmm. easily uh, convinced what their news people tell them. And so maybe maybe there aren't maybe maybe they, we're in the minority now. We don't think for ourselves. But. We absolutely are. We're in the minority. The the people that think right is right and fair is fair. It's a Mr. Smith goes to Washington situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like yeah, we have common sense about this, but politics is politics. And man, you ever talk to these people off the record? Uh, I was hearing stories from my uncle went to improbably like this high society, highfalutin thing where he uh, it was hosted by a Republican strategist who had retired. Mm-hmm. And he was telling him, like, there's no difference between these parties. There, there, it, there's no a- ideological differences between these parties. This is on a local level, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's about who much, ha- who has the most money, uh, who can basically get the lobby passed and and assuaged and everything like that. And th- there's no real. Ide- they all get along off camera. They they're not they're not this bickering couple yeah. that you see. You know when they're on the Senate floor, the 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 House floor. It's it, it, there's it's all a machine. It's all a machine. And Jeremy's right. There is nobody working for him or, mm-hmm. or for us. Uh, they're they're getting points. We're going to see this god awful debate. I'm going to cringe watch this debate tonight. Ooh, I haven't I'm even made up my mind. Probably not. I'm not I sure. Think if I can. Uh, and and it's going to be a boxing match of scoring. Well, he won that. He won that. Now I understand you can quantify a debate, but I don't think you can quantify this debate. Um, if you had two competent ideological views, then you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could at best say that you have one competent ideological view on that. And it's just it, it, it means nothing. So you guys are probably right not to watch. Uh, it, it ultimately means nothing. Whatever score is given ultimately means nothing. Both sides are already prepping their our guy one yep. takes mm-hmm. because yep. – Unless one of them has a stroke or punches the other or highly uses, likely both scenarios or by the uses way. the yeah. F bomb or the N word, then no one's opinion is going to be changed, even though it's probably going to be the most watched debate in history. And even if they do, those things do happen. Oh, my God. Can you imagine opinion. the spin if either of those guys says the says the N word on, on in a debate? I like mean, the debate's going to be like just eye rolling beyond like just the. 
just that kind of like spin would be so eye rolling to hear. I'm expecting it to prove like not ideological, not party, but individual. Neither one of these guys are really in great shape. I don't have much confidence <laughs> in either one of them. And I think I think this debate is going to have half or more of America going, we're huh? so fucked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even if our guy gets in, this is not I know. It's, a, it's, not, it's not suddenly we're on the fucking uh, great high no, road to heaven here. It's interesting because the, the this election is less about the actual candidate and more about like, the 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 trickle i hate to use that word the trickle down effect of this whether it's appointing justices or you know the ability to to do this or do that uh less about like the personality of the candidate uh himself i think this is an unintended october surprise this uh, supreme court situation and i think it's going to ultimately decide a lot of people's minds like the undecided voter I- like, right, I don't yeah. want to be too simplistic, but I think it's going to come down to abortion. And I think there's going to be a lot of undecided people who, if they're adamantly uh, pro-life or pro-choice, uh, this is going to push them uh, to vote either Trump or Biden. Yep. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Even though it, it probably doesn't matter, but still. <laughs> that's yeah. the, well, it's, it's how it's going to be spun. That's the thing, though. You, you know, there are going to be – there are people out there who seriously, legitimately don't know. Mm-hmm. They, they they don't sure. spend they don't spend a lot of their time thinking about this type of thing, and and to them like anything involving Trump, it's like it, it they they go to their they they're going to their job, they're getting their whatever paycheck, uh, uh you know every, you know every couple of weeks, and they're just going home and dealing with their family and all that. They don't even think about presidents and all the any kind of corruption they might be doing. Their life is the exact same as it was three or four years ago. And it's like, whatever, who cares? But, you know, but they still vote. And then they, and they're like, I don't know, Trump or Biden. Mm-hmm, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's what, that's, those are those people that are out there that are going to be looking at this debate for the answer, I guess. So, you know what? This has been a, an interesting discussion. I don't care that we're a movie podcast. I, I, I enjoy hearing you guys because you're, you're reasoned. You have the concept of fairness and rightness. Um, at your disposal, so you can you can admit this is a, would be a controversial take. My knee jerk response was to say, "Well, the pro- Republicans broke the rules last time, so we should break the rules this time." And uh, Jeremy actually mentioned this a, a couple of days ago about rules being rules for a reason, and the way you articulated that has made me realize you're right. You're right. Knee jerk reactions should not inform policy and that's that's the opposite of what should inform policy rules should inform policy at some point one side of this this whole thing needs to say you know what there are too many people suffering let's just go ahead and go about our way of you know of doing things and and you know we we have to we have to win over people with policy more than you know than trying to win them over with this rhetoric and um, and these, and these, you know, these big, I don't know, these big emotional debates at some point you can't keep getting, what I mean is you just can't keep getting back at people mm-hmm. over and over again, because eventually, I mean, it's just going to keep happening. You, you never end anything. There's never any end to it. I mean, you, you know, no matter what you do, 
you know, if you're trying to get back at one side or another, you're going to have, you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of that coming back at you when things change, when norms change. I mean, here's the thing that I keep thinking about this election is like, I, I mean, maybe beyond my own, um, uh, my own hopes and, and whatever, I think Biden will win this, uh, this election. And if he does, Four years are going to make a lot of people complacent. They're going to sit there and go, we won. We won. We got Donald Trump out and everything. And they're not thinking about there's so many other Donald Trumps out there right now who are going to want to run for president. There's so many more. And mm-hmm. and they're excited to get him out now. But how about four years from now when somebody who who's not even as brash as he is but has all the same fucking ideology as he does comes in? And he comes, that's even worse because that guy is going to be doing everything sort of by the book kind of, you know, he's not going to be sitting there saying a bunch of shit like on, you know, in t- on TV. He's not going to, he's not going to announce himself um, as this brash person, but he's going to do all these fucked up things behind the scenes. Mm. And there's going to be people who are, who don't have any problem with that guy at all when that happens. Yep. So that's what I worry about about this is that Biden may win, but four years from now, everybody's going to be like, yeah, we won. We don't have to worry about Trump anymore. You may have to worry about Trump in four yeah. years. <laughs> you know you don't even have to vote. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's the, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, um, we are going to talk about movies today. Promise. Uh, we have a topic today. We're going to be talking about Kids movies that are actually good. <laughs> and that sounds, that sounds really, really reductive. Um, uh, I think, I think what is meant by this is that movies that were made for kids, but not strictly made for kids. Like seriously, you can make anything as long as it doesn't have like bad language and, and anything it has, has bright colors and characters that go Aah! and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and a people, slow and motion shot of it. someone going no, yeah, someone going no. <laughs> you have all that. Uh, kids will love it. You could put a four-year-old in front of nearly anything as long you know, and it, and it'll you know daze and and it'll, it'll it'll amaze them. Um, but there's some movies that were made for kids that actually have some some better some some prestige to them. Some uh, that that were made with the idea that hey, these kids are coming with their parents as well, and their parents, you know, uh, want to be entertained too. It's you know, you don't always want to just leave your five year old in the theater while you go watch Basic Instinct. You know, it's- <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> You don't always want to do that. I mean, you can do it a few times, but not all the time. Basic instinct. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we thought that we would talk about uh, we would talk about some of these movies. What are, what are examples of these? And uh, yeah, who wants to start us off? Well, for me, it was more about because I I think if it, we if, if we hadn't refined it the way we did through email, you know, just kids movies that are good. You know, well, that's like three fourths of Pixar, uh, and we'd be here all day. And so uh, we decided to bring three to five each of our favorite mm-hmm. kids movies that feel more elevated than a typical kids movie. That was sort of how I was approaching it. Uh, do we want to go all of mine and the or, or one at a time? Let's go mm-hmm. one at a time. And this um, this came out. Let me just do a little preface here. 
This came out uh, an idea I had because we had done a lot of sense videos on stuff like Chicken Little and Ice Age Meltdown and Rio 2 and Robots and stuff like that where there it's it's just mind-numbing. Angry Birds, things like that. It's just absolutely mind-numbing and it, these are successful movies. They make a lot of money, but there's nothing there's no thought brought into it. I understand they have their place. But then I uh, happened upon uh, Enola Holmes uh, on Netflix that just came out recently. And I was like, this is gauged for a tween school-aged audience. But, man, there's, like, actual thought put into this. There's actual, like, chutzpah <laughs> put into this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, like and, and, and that makes you feel rewarded. I'm sorry, that was just my little preference, but uh, go ahead, Jeremy. Um, okay, so the very first thing that came to mind when you sort of proposed this topic uh, is a movie that I feel like I championed uh, before a lot of people did, which is not to say I was the first, but it is now considered an all-time classic by pretty much everyone. I have the poster on my wall, thanks to Barrett. I have the $300 12-inch statue, thanks to my own... Uh, expenditures. <laughs> it's the Iron Giant. Yeah. Um, and there is something I think you'll find that flows through a lot of Brad Bird films, and that's this... I think he does two things well. A sense of awe and magic uh, and, a, and, a, and a sense of heart. Um, and uh, this is the guy that made The Incredibles and Ratatouille and Incredibles 2 and Ghost Protocol. And I think all those movies demonstrate uh, that those qualities. Uh, but Iron Giant is... It's, I, I don't know if it's because I lived through some Cold War in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, when nuclear war was my genuine biggest fear um, that makes this hit home to me. This is a period piece. It's set before I was growing up, but uh, what do you think? It's set in the it's 60s? In the 50s? 50s? I, I think it's the 50s, yeah. 50s? Um so I'm not sure what makes it resonate for me, uh, but it, it seems to resonate for everybody these days. But no one went and saw it in the theater. It came and went uh, and had to get its audience and its acclaim uh, on home video. And it thankfully has. Um, <clears throat> but this was the very first one I thought of. This is uh, in the hands of a lesser director and less talented animators. This would be Happy Feet 2. It would just be a blip. Uh, but it has moments of raw pure joy and magic between that child and that giant robot uh and then of course the robot who says 25 words the whole movie um, will make you peer up at the end yeah (laughs) Yeah. i am vin uh did you guys hear vin diesel's new single yes i did i've heard a little bit of it (laughs) just making sure Uh, so there's my first one iron giant oh man what a what a voice cast too is it Christopher oh, yeah. McDonald that plays the uh, yeah the, yes. the investigator? Yeah, and everything. He's, I mean, that's I mean, he's all, I mean, he's the he was the best '90s bad guy there was, right? Absolutely, got to be. And Jennifer um, Aniston, him and, and uh, him and uh, never mind. Yeah? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Wincott. That's who I was. Michael Wincott. <laughs> yeah, Michael Wincott was a good one. Um, and Harry Connick Jr. is really good in this too. Uh, he's, what did I say? He was, he's the nineties, early nineties version of, um, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> John um, Mahoney's in here yeah. as the general. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
Iron Giant came during that time where there was a sort of a discussion amongst the studios as to whether computer animation was the way to go. Toy Story had come out four years before this and, uh, and they were, and, and Pixar was sort of like just killing it. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the 2d stuff that was coming out during this period of time. And I think of things like, and I'm not, I'm not sure if this is the, these exact years, but I think of things like Anastasia and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, what else was coming out during this time? Uh, Princess you know, and the Frog. Well, Princess the Frog came out well after that. Oh, that's because, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because the, cause, um, John Lasseter had taken the control of both of the Disney animation and Pixar. And he said, well, you know, there's a, there's a market for hand drawn. It's just they're not getting the right stories and everything. But so I, I remember a lot of these cartoons coming out in the late nineties that were hand drawn that weren't doing well. And it was because they didn't look good. It wasn't because of the animation. It was just because they weren't, they didn't look like movies you wanted to see. I mean, something about, I think Anastasia is about the, like the Bolshevik revolution or some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't even, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a heady thing to, to try to get your families <laughs> in to go watch. Um, I kind of like that movie, but I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And, and so Iron Giant comes out. It comes out in August. It comes up against us, uh, the Sixth Sense, I believe. Oh, wow. Uh, is oh, when, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, 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 looks like, it looks like these shitty 2D movies that have been coming out at the time. And if, I don't know if Brad Bird was, even though I think if hardcore Simpsons fans knew who Brad Bird was, it, it did, that didn't come out as oh this is Brad Bird we got to watch this <laughs> right um, at the time and uh, yeah you're right man it's a movie that you had to discover back in 1999 if you were like a first adopter of that movie you had to discover it and it has gotten a big uh, you know it's gotten a big following since but yeah nobody nobody watched it then and and uh, but yeah this is a really good one and it's a great example it's probably one of the best examples. Uh, that you can come up with because it's not just geared towards kids during this entire thing. Yep. I sing that little uh, duck and cover uh, jingle to myself probably once a day. I don't know why, <laughs> just to, time to duck and cover. The bombs are coming down. Radiation shower all to the ground. <laughs> duck and cover. Duck and cover. <laughs> Wikipedia says 1957, by the way. Okay. Um, uh, so, um, the first movie that came to my head on this question was a little princess. Ooh. Mm, uh, I actually thought this. about that one too. Good call. Came, came out in 1995. It's Alfonso Cuaron, uh, uh, well before he became a famous director. <laughs> um, but, uh, all the staples of a great Alfonso Cuaron movie are in this. Um, it got nominated for two Oscars. Uh, Cinematography is one of them. Uh, really? I believe. Um, uh, I can't remember. Production design may be the other one. Um, but uh, it's funny. You were mentioning the uh, the girl from Air Force One uh, plays yeah. uh, Harrison Ford's daughter. She's the main girl in, in the little princess. Wow. Oh, it's, wow. So, it's so funny that you bring her up. And then my first, <laughs> my first answer to this is, 
is a movie that she's in. She's only been in three movies. And yeah. <laughs> and then um, retired to become a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a Little Princess is about a girl who um, her, her father, played by Liam Cunningham, Sir Davos, to many of you, he is, oh. uh, he is unrecognizable in this because he's completely shaven uh, in this. So it's like I was like, like even yeah. down there, down there, <laughs> even yeah. That's called a little princess, there's man. A, there's, 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 there's a scene where he's where he's using only a lower mirror. <laughs> I give up. I give up. There's uh, no hand on that. <laughs> today I am not the worst one of us. <clears throat> Very true. Um. But um, she and her father live in India, and I guess the mom has died. I can't remember the reason why, what 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 she died of or anything. But it's just him and her. But he has to go to war, and so he takes her to New York, and she's uh, put into this uh, all girls school, uh, like slash house type of thing, um, and um, and so she's already like, she's already very like well-educated and everything. She, she's, she's smarter than everybody in the room already. And one thing that I love about this movie is that there's not a part where she's the outcast for like 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. And you sit there mm. and go, I hope that she can finally win all these other shitty girls over so that, <laughs> you know, that she can, you know, she can finally live in this place. no, it takes her all of about five minutes to win, start winning people over in this movie because she's imaginative and she's, she's nice and she's caring and all of these things that these girls apparently have never had to deal with in their lives. Um, uh, have never really felt like any kind of true love really. Uh, and, uh, and she's the one that's sort of like gluing everybody together in this. She's really, you know, uh, engaging, uh, early on in the movie, uh, we see Liam Cunningham out on the battlefield and, and, and we're like, Oh no, did he just die? And then, uh, somebody comes to the school and tells the the headmistress who's the evil headmistress, of course, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, her father has died. And so with no one to pay the bills, she becomes the help basically, um, in the, in the school. Uh, and there is, a, another actress in there, another, uh, a child actress in there. Uh, who is the only black person in this entire school and she's the help as well. Mm. And, but, but even, even this girl, this, this new girl uh, treats her like everybody else thinks she's, thinks of her as a sister, all of that type of stuff. She's, she's wonderful. This main character is Uh, that movie is just absolutely fascinating. I I, I don't think people um, talk about it too much. Um, Mm. It's it's 25 years old at this point, but um, I think it's just it's fantastic. It's something that deserves to get to be out there. Something that people talk about regularly, especially now that Quaron's got this this uh, reputation as as a master director. Go back and watch it, you know. And I know Barrett loves him some great expectations as well. I do. I've seen everything he's done except for this. And I don't know why I haven't seen this. I mean, it's not a movie that you immediately go, well, Alonzo Cuaron did that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, and it's not, a, it's not really a movie that people think of. It's, it, it's one of those very minor family films that came out. Like it just came and went 
mm-hmm. and and you know it got a couple Oscar nominations and then it left everybody's consciousness. But it's really good, really really good. And uh, you know, and 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 to think that this whole cast, except for maybe like two or three, there's like maybe four roles in here who are men in the entire in the entire thing uh you know anybody of any age of any gender or whatever can go Mm. in and watch uh can watch this movie and and be delighted by it it's not for just little girls or just you know this subset of people that's what i'm talking about with that that encapsulates this this topic is you know even though it's geared towards a certain audience it can be enjoyed by anybody Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm totally going to have to check this out. Uh, I like me some quarrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start not with a, cl- a classic. I'll get to a classic in a second. Uh, but I did want to shout out Enola Holmes, which I just caught recently, just released on Netflix maybe a week ago or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't long ago. Uh, have you, either of you guys seen this yet? I haven't. I had uh, I, I've, seen uh, ads for it. Actually, IMDb. Had that same uh, publicity photo of Millie Bobby Brown with the like um, uh, bow and arrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had that up on IMDb for like three or four weeks before that movie came out. Oh, wow. I thought it was a I thought it was a series that was coming out. Actually, I didn't think it was a movie. Yeah, Netflix uh, doesn't never really tell you one way or another. No, right? considering that they make both, it would be nice if they say. Like they put that up front, you know, yeah. this is what yeah. the, that what it's going to be. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm hearing it's great. Uh, I'm glad they didn't do a series. Now, they may end up making a series of movies with her mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and they set that up very, very well. This blew my mind, man. I had a, a smile on my face from the start to the finish. I didn't I heard that it was getting good reviews. Loved Millie Bobby Brown in Stranger Things. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else um, since then. I mean, if, unless you saw that last Godzilla movie that came out. Oh, I did. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> she certainly wasn't the problem. Hell no, she was. <laughs> but uh, man, what she's allowed to do, by the way, 16 years old, the range that she has, the timing that she has, the expressions that she has is, is otherworldly. She is adorable in this movie. She's precocious in this movie. She breaks the fourth wall frequently in this movie and it, and it works perfectly. Even if it's for an expression, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's one time, and this is not a spoiler. There's one time where she's getting attacked and actually somebody's holding her head in a, 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 a bucket of water. And she, makes believe that she's drowned. And right before she comes out of the water, she winks at the camera underwater and then gets up and like kicks this guy's ass. Uh, but she plays, cool. yeah, yeah, she plays uh, the youngest Holmes daughter. Uh, there's Sherlock and Minecraft, my, Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell where what's populated my uh, home recently. Mycroft uh, is the older brother. And that's exp- that relationship is explored the a lot. Sister of them? Or- yes. Yeah, she's okay. much younger. She's just turned 16. Uh, Sherlock and Mycroft have gone off to do their thing. Mycroft with the police, Sherlock as a detective. And they've left her with her mother. Uh, her mother is played by Helena Bonham Carter. Mm. Uh, and uh, 
her mother and she are just sprites, basically. They they do whatever they want to. Uh, she teaches uh, uh, Enola how to fight, how to defend herself, how to uh, like all the works of literature and things like that. So she schools her on her own. And she is portrayed as just about, if not more, brilliant as Sherlock. Now, who's coming along to play Sherlock? Sherlock's usually been played by somewhat dowdy people. Then there's a Robert Downey Jr. Then there's a Benedict Cumberbatch. But there's never been like a super hot Sherlock until now. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's Henry fucking Cavill. The 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 chin that will end all chins. That's true. Uh, mm. He, if it weren't for Millie Bobby Brown, he can't say she steals the movie because she's the title character. If she doesn't own this movie as hard as she does, Henry Cavill may steal it because mm-hmm. uh, he's fantastic. Now there was a weird snafu I think I read about about the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle estate suing this movie for portraying Sherlock as being emotional. And that would never happen in uh, Doyle's books. Um, And it's, it's funny because I read that before I watched the movie and I was like, yeah, is he getting emotional? And there's like a couple of moments where he's kind of, but otherwise it's a very good Sherlock Holmes performance and the movie ain't about him, which I like very much that it featured him, but it wasn't about him. It wasn't Mm. about her, uh, needing his help on a on a final clue or something like that. She figures this shit out on her own, mm-hmm. and she's smart. She's resourceful. She's uh, the, the whole thing. It's a tiny bit too long. It's a tiny bit towards the end. The pacing is off a little bit, but it's saved by a really cool story, great visuals, great direction, and unbelievable performances. I would highly, highly, highly recommend. This is the essence. Just like Little Princess, what uh, Chris was saying, of what I was thinking about kids' movies that really reach for something else. And I'm glad I watched it. I recommend everybody, no matter your age, gender, whatever, uh, you will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I intend on watching it um, at some point. I, um, I I am interested in that, most definitely. Oh, yeah. We got to go another couple of rounds, right? Yeah. Let's do it, baby. We got stuff. Uh- all right, I want to talk just a wee bit um, about uh, a little movie called Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. sound like a preacher warming up. Yeah, I am <laughs> for, for a big old sermon. I'm the grandson of a preacher. I got a preacher in me. I always thought I would make a good preacher. Um, yeah. All the Muppet movies are fun. Uh, even the bad ones can be fun. Uh, the really good ones, the, the the first three classics, the one with Jason Siegel's great. They're all fun. Treasure Island is fun. Even the one with the Shanti that was on TV is fun. <laughs> Something happened with Muppet's Christmas Carol. Um, and there's extra magic here that even magical Muppets can't touch in other movies. Uh, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with Michael Caine yeah. who plays this role. Absolutely straight. Absolutely straight. Like you could put his Ebenezer Scrooge in any non Muppet adaptation of this story. And he would work perfectly mm-hmm. because he acts as though he's playing off humans 
instead of acting like he's playing off Muppets. Mm-hmm. Now, Muppets have always had big stars, but like Steve Martin wasn't pretending as though he was playing off of the Muppets or off, off of actors. He was talking to furry creatures. He was there for fun. This is, he, It's like Michael Caine saw an acting challenge instead of a, a cameo in a fun Muppet movie, and he fucking brought it. Yeah, he and did. He, if you watch the extended version, especially where there's the whole song about the breakup with him and the girl that gets cut in the theatrical version, this guy will bring tears to your eyes in a movie with puppets. And <laughs> uh, it, is, it is the most distilled, least bloated, most punchy version of A Christmas Carol I've ever seen. Uh, and I grew up watching the musical version, Scrooge. Uh, my wife grew up watching um, the George C. Scott version. Uh, those are both too long. And those are both not as heartwarming and magical. And every single year, this is my favorite Christmas Carol to watch. Um, and uh, I, I, I got to give most of the credit to to Michael Caine. I can't mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on any other reason why it has that extra money. You know, you're you're right because they're even in the Jim Carrey version or some of the other versions, even though they're longer, it seems like Scrooge turns on a dime. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. where, where it, there's just too sudden of a change. And this is by far the shortest one, I think. Uh, and yeah, this one seems minutes. much more gradual and much more believable that mm-hmm. uh, that he would he would make that perspective change not just by seeing his headstone but like really you know understanding his childhood and all that stuff uh i i think you're right i i think this is my favorite christmas carol too and uh we send it last year and it was just so much fun there's mm-hmm. there's there's little things that you can poke on but that's another one that i was smiling all the way through it's so good yeah yeah the uh the idea that uh he changes on a dime and everything feels like uh, because the story says he does, therefore he does. There's yeah. no, there, yeah. I think there's a lot of times where, uh, you know, a filmmaker will, will forget that there's gotta be a, a gradual change or a believable change to the thing. Just because the book says he changes doesn't mean the book. <laughs> I don't, and I haven't, I haven't read the book in forever, so I don't remember how gradually he changes in that either, but um, but if he does gradually change, then they've been sort of like ignoring that filmmakers have been ignoring that with all their different versions of it yeah. and everything. Um, I don't know if this movie counts, but it's a movie that we haven't, we don't get to talk about very often. Uh, I don't know if this movie was actually geared towards kids and Barrett, if I have, if I've somehow, I know that we do what we want and all that type of <laughs> shit, but if this somehow doesn't qualify, I am sorry. I have two others that would, but searching for Bobby Fisher is mm, the movie yeah, yeah. that I don't think was geared towards kids. It is, it is PG, which, you know, if you, you know, people in America people who are not in America who are listening to this, that means it's, it's basically a family movie. Um, but, uh, it's, it's about, uh, you know, it's about this child wunderkind that is, uh, amazing at, uh, uh, you know, at chess and, and he, they, there's something that his parents see in him early on that they know that they need to get him like some training and maybe he can get into some competitions. And, um, and so he, uh, it, first he's starting to learn from Lawrence Fishburne, who's the street smart chess guy, uh, <laughs> who plays in Washington square. And he, and, you know, 
so he's learning from him. And then Joe Montaigne, who's the father in this, is like, no, no, we have to have some proper chess chess uh, training. None of that Washington Square shit. You know, we and he goes and gets Ben Kingsley. But Ben Kingsley is uh, is the is the dickhead chess master guy. <laughs> 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 pain try prison <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> there was a point where they're trying to get ben kingsley to say that in every movie um, but uh but yeah he's the dickhead guy because he he wants he wants uh it's josh waitskin i believe is his name the kid's name um uh they're trying to he's trying to get him to to think in that bobby fisher way which only Bobby Fisher could think like Bobby Fisher. When yes. Thankfully. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. I other shit. Mean. Sure. Uh, but, um, but yeah, the, there, you know, there's a point where, you know, the movie saying, you know, he, he, he just needs to be a kid, you know, uh, it's, it's not, it's not all about serious chess and everything. And of course they can't, they've got the evil like uh kid rival that's in this movie and so it just it's like he's, he's he's not only great at chess and number one in the world but he's got to be a dickhead about it <laughs> uh, um but uh but yeah uh, ben kingsley at one point uh is trying to get he's trying to get josh to to think of in, in this you know complex manner and Josh is just like, I want to go outside. I want to go and play. I want to do all this other type of stuff. And Ben Kingsley is just like, uh, you know, trying to get him to do this thing and ends up like, like throwing the chessboard across the, across the room because mm. Josh isn't, isn't, uh, paying attention. And Joan Allen is the, is the, you know, the unsung hero of the movie, uh, basically coming in and saying, you know, like, uh, because Joe Montana is so obsessed about getting him to be the best chess player in the world. Joan Allen says basically like, I'm, I will divorce you super fast. If you decide to keep <laughs> going down this road, <laughs> I will divorce you, Joe. <laughs> Pain. Um, try divorce. Try divorce. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, searching for Fisher is great. We don't get a chance to talk about it. This was a a big year for uh, Steven Zalian, who I believe wrote and directed this movie. Ah, he um, usually is the writer, isn't he? He usually is, and I don't know how many he's directed over the years. Um, let's see, he's got five directing credits. A uh, civil action, all mm. the Kingsmen, the, the remake, and he also did uh, some episodes of The Night Up. Mm. um oh excellent but, but steven zellian also wrote schindler's list uh yeah that wow. uh that same year uh so that was a big year for him it also had bing kingsley in it of course um but um but yeah that searching for bobby fisher is a movie we don't get a chance to talk about and it involves kids it's not i don't think it wasn't directed two kids but it's uh it's a really uh great movie that families can watch I you know need to check that out i'll give you a i'll give you a chess trifecta a chess film mm, festival okay you start out with searching for bobby fisher mm-hmm. then you go to fresh which oh. has samuel L. jackson as yeah. the street smart chess instructor <laughs> right uh, i believe even in washington park or washington square park but that's because that's where everybody plays chess uh and then ended up with pawn sacrifice a little underknown uh mm. toby mcguire um Peter Sarsgaard, um, Liev Schreiber movie. Uh, it's about, movie. 
He's playing Bobby Fischer. He's playing an adult Bobby Fischer who's recruited to come play this Russian number one in the world, uh, and that's Leif Schreiber, um, Boris Spassky. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not outstanding, but I was highly engaged all the way huh. through uh, because he plays Bobby Fischer as a guy who maybe his parents were really hard on him when he was young and forced him into chess, and it fucked him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sarsgaard is playing this priest who's good at chess, who's like basically his mentor, coach, handler. It's good. You should check it out. There you go. Yeah. I, I will mm. definitely check that out. I saw Fresh, I think based on your recommendation, about three or four years ago. That was really good. Yeah, I remember good. that. Yeah. Really good movie. That was good. Pawn Sacrifice was a, a Creed song, too. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Pawn Sacrifice! <laughs> oh, Wow. Uh, this Pawn Sacrifice movie was made by Ed Zwick. I didn't, I didn't oh, know that. Ooh, there you go. He's got a good track record. He does. Zwicky. He's a, he's one of those unsung directors, Ed Zwick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the unthinkable and, oh, shit. and recommend a Disney movie. Ha ha ha. Oh no. Dun, dun, dun. This is one of the most unusual Disney movies, uh, that I've ever seen. And it still holds up to this very day. This is a classic and I've mentioned it before, but I haven't gone in depth with it. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Ah. Uh, this came out in 1996. Yep. And wh- this came out after Pocahontas, wasn't it? I, yeah, I guess that, that was, was the, the... I'm trying to remember. There was a period of time where Disney, when they finally got back on track making blockbuster animated movies, they came out with one every year. Yeah. Um. I think. I think after Beauty and the, after they they did Aladdin and then they had one year ninety three where they didn't make one and then it was Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback, uh, Hercules, Tarzan. Tarzan was ninety nine. Um. God, what was the was there another one? Was ninety eight a miss? Emperor's New Groove. Oh uh, yeah. Emperor's New Groove came out in two thousand one. I think Atlantis. See that was that Atlantis is another one of those yeah, yeah, 2D yeah, yeah, movies yeah, don't yeah. make you know don't make money anymore. I don't know if they there may have been another year where they didn't. There may have been ninety eight might have been a year they didn't come out with one. Uh, I anyway. ninety eight was when no ninety seven was when Hercules came out. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame is unlike any of those things that you uh, were mentioning before: Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, uh, Pocahontas. Um, those are <clears throat> certainly not the same film over and over again. But they, you know, have the Disney. It's like it's like an MCU movie. You have an MCU sheen on it, right? Mm-hmm. The, everything had the Disney sheen on it, and then they come out with Hunchback, and it is a musical in every sense of the word. Uh, opens up with an introductory song uh, from this wonderful uh, stage actor uh, that uh, that sings about the bells of Notre Dame, and the end of this first number immediately had me hooked. It was right as the title card comes up and he hits this note. He's like the bells of Notre Dame, except raise that like two octaves. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, yeah. holy shit. He hit that note full throated. <laughs> uh, oh God. And this, this movie will knock your socks off. Obviously it's not going to be uh, a direct adaptation of the, uh, the, the Victor Hugo work. In fact, Victor Hugo also uh, was pissed off at Disney. Uh, Victor Hugo's estate was uh, pissed off at Disney for not including his uh, work as the inspiration. But this has got a great cast. Amadeus is Tom Hulse. Yeah. Amadeus. 
Yeah. Amadeus is the hunchback. <laughs> yeah. He's the hunchback. Uh, Demi Moore plays Esmeralda. And a really fun turn by Kevin Klein uh, playing the, the traditional hero, uh, Phoebus. And but the 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 real star here is Tony Jay, who's also a theater actor playing uh, Claude uh, Frollo, Judge Frollo, mm-hmm. and Judge Frollo has got a uh, a mighty boner for uh, Esmeralda. Mm. He doesn't like I- I- any any different people. This is the Disney movie that introduced kids to their own horniness. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Introducing your horniness. <laughs> I'm just saying that 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 uh, I want to bone her song was the most rawly sexual thing I had ever seen in an animated Disney film. Yeah, this movie is rated G. I That's crazy. Yes, and and obviously it was a different era and everything. But the themes in this, not only that. And there are some pratfalls and, and little friendly gargoyles played by Jason Alexander and a few other. Uh, and, and there are some Disney-fied stuff, but they go into the catacombs. There's, uh, there's infanticide. He, Frollo kills Quasimodo's mom on the steps of Notre Dame and <laughs> just absolutely fucks up. But the music, the cinematography here, there's one shot that they had never tried before. It, it, well, it's a little reminiscent of the Beauty and the Beast panning down uh, dance shot, but uh, it's when Quasimodo, Esmeralda is being burned at the stake by uh, uh, Judge Frollo, and of course, in front of Notre Dame, and Quasimodo fucking swings down on this rope, the impossible rope, by the way, uh, it swings down on this rope and pans over the audience, and it's this spectacular shot. You want to talk about chills, man. When he finally grabs her and goes up to the uh, right in front of the rose window in Notre Dame, holds her up and says, sanctuary, 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 which is basically saying you can't fuck with me because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on the church, motherfucker. Uh, it, it's giving me chills right now. It is an awesome movie. And in, in the terms of Disney classics that you see, I don't think this gets talked about as much. And yes, there's a hellfire sex song that <laughs> that Judge Frollo unabashedly says, you're going to get up on this or you're going to die. Nice. <laughs> and that that shit got real. And yes, it did introduce us to our horn menace. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Mulan. Yeah, you motherfucker, because I was about to say that. Um, I'm sorry. Did you hear anything uh, I just said? <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, the uh, yeah Mulan was 1998, but then after Tarzan, they they start like Fantasia 2000 was the next thing. Uh, Dinosaur came out. Um, uh, the Emperor's New Groove, like they had they had three movies that came out in 2000: Fantasia, Dinosaur, and The Emperor's New Groove. Atlantis came out in 2001, so they had just basically just every good story that they had started going to all the Pixar stuff. It looked like, um, but um, yeah, I haven't seen hunchback in forever. I haven't seen it since it came out. Should pull it up on Disney plus man. That is a, that is a good movie. Uh, animation holds up. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I assume you do. Animation holds up. Story holds up. Um, boners hold up mm. and uh, music holds up. Uh, and 
the animation is so in so colorful and not like what you saw on those previous and subsequent uh, Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, have you seen it more than once, Jeremy? No, I I disliked it on my initial and only viewing, uh, but I will have to give it another shot. You disliked have, it, huh? Well, it I was the same. I have the same opinion you do about this movie, about Hercules, that yeah. most people give it a pass and I love it. Uh, so I'll have to give it another shot. I just, I, I didn't like it in the theater when I saw it and I never went back. Yeah. Was I, a, I, think, I think it's good stuff. There was a standard Disney had, had created with that Little Mermaid to Lion King run that started to go down with Pocahontas. And, and when you watch Pocahontas, you're like, okay, they they have they've they they've been hitting home runs this whole time. Now they've hit like a double, or <laughs> you know, and and then Hunchback was just another one where it wasn't quite back to where they were before then, and and Hercules was the same way. I mean, if you were actually, you know, especially like me, was working at a movie theater at the time and was you know was in that era. Basically you just started seeing the, these movies are not the best that they, it feels like that they could come out with. Where's all the little mermaid and Aladdin and Lion King and beauty and the beast stuff that you were coming out with. And it sort of just started to go downhill, but, uh, Oh, well, you know, now, I'll take me a hunchback over Aladdin any day. I'll take it over. Ooh, a little mermaid. Ooh you just threw down the fucking movie. gauntlet. Yeah. No, I think yeah. this is absolutely, at that standard or better, hmm. uh, animation, song wise, uh, Steve Schwartz. <laughs> it's only a little bit of horniness. Poor Esmeralda gets hit on by everybody. Quasimodo loves her, Frollo loves her, and Phoebus loves her, and she finally gets on that uh, Phoebus steed. Jesus, dude. <laughs> oh man, they get married. It's not like they're they're. Just because somebody's married doesn't mean they have sex. That's true. That's true. I, um, so I've heard. I, I stopped right there. I could have kept going for the record. <laughs> all right, let's go one more round. What do you say? One more round? I'm all right if you guys one are. One more time. We need one more. I think we need one more. Okay. So <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I have a lot to choose from, but uh, I'm going to weech, weech. I'm going to weech way back. Into the bag and uh, do Babe. Uh, Babe, such a good one. Not the John Goodman baseball uh, movie. That was The Babe. They dropped the the for this one. They dropped the the. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's a little movie um, that I expected nothing from. All I remember knowing going in was that the buzz was they have somehow created a technology that allows it to look like the animals are actually moving their their lips mm-hmm. when they're speaking. This is different, mind you, than what they're doing these days with the live action Jungle Book or Lion King, where they're creating entirely digital creatures. These this was a real fucking pig, and they digitized his mouth. Um, <clears throat> this was my first exposure to James Cromwell that I was aware of, mm-hmm. uh, and a guy that can often play a hard ass is charming as fuck. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Is this Australia or New Zealand where this takes place? Mm, there's so much there's so much local vernacular and charm uh to how they refer to themselves and the animals. I think he calls her mother, doesn't he? 
Um, uh, this movie's charming as fuck. The pig wants to be a sheepdog, even though he's a pig. Uh, that's pretty ridiculous, but uh, he wants to prove him wrong. Um, and those three little mice are like a Greek chorus that introduce <laughs> new chapters of the film. Um, and yeah, it just charmed the pants off me in a way that, like, I, I'm sure kids were delighted to see the three little mice or the duck that says Christmas is carnage and flies away. Uh, I guess he's, <laughs> I guess he must be a goose if he thinks he's going to get cooked. But, um, <clears throat> but it's delightful to me as a guy in his 40s, even today. Uh, and, you know, it's got a good message if you want your kids to get a good message. Uh, it's as G rated as anything I've ever seen. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a movie that, that way outperformed whatever bar had been set for it by the studio or even the people that funded it. It just way overachieved. Yeah. Um, best picture nominee in 1995. I had to go crazy Braveheart. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was, uh, filmed in Australia. I just looked at that on, uh, Uh, basically same story, right? I'm sorry. Braveheart and babe. Basically, oh, yeah. Same, yeah. Same storyline. Yeah. Even yeah. Babe, when he finishes the sheepdog thing, he turns to the crowd and he's like, You'll never take my freedom. As he's being disemboweled. Drawn and <laughs> Yeah, then they, they cut him open right there. And, and then everybody has pork. And, <laughs> and everybody's like, mm, <laughs> This is a good hero. (laughs) With his mouth full of bacon, James Cromwell (laughs) says, that'll do pig. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have heard, and I I hate to say this, that I haven't seen it, but I've heard that Babe Pig in the City, the sequel, that George Miller actually did, um, is fantastic, and many think... uh, uh, is better than the first movie. I have heard this. It's great. Mm-hmm. It is when I when I saw the sequel, I remember thinking, "Wow, there's no way it should have been as good as it is." Uh, but I don't think it. I'm not one who thinks it tops the original, but it is. It's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think a lot of critics were were glomming on to the fact that it was uh, such a it was a darker tale or whatever. I guess I don't know if it, if that's true or not. Uh, Pig in the city was it darker? I mean, he did get molested uh, when he was in the city, and then mm-hmm. he uh, he mugged a guy. He was he was on smack for a little while too. Yeah, he was mainlining PCP, and yeah. then he goes down on the duck. He goes down change. on the duck mm-hmm. for for change. <laughs> really, that's really tough stuff for a, a sequel to a kid. I mean, yeah. So I, I mean, mean if, I, you, if you say dark, that's dark. I guess that's kind of dark. Well, I don't know if it was necessarily thematically dark, but it was sort of the way they, I don't know. I, I thought it was a darker sequel that was a little bit nuttier, a little bit looser. I don't know. That sounds uh, about right. The thing is, as much as I love this original, uh, I only saw Pig in the City once, so I can't really speak to the darkness or the it. Pig BJs. Yeah, the Pig BJs. Yeah, I, I need to see this, mainly because of the Pig BJs. Yeah, exactly. And it's something that you don't get to see on screen very often. No, um, no, they usually cut away. They usually cut away. And uh, that's some, when you think they're going to get to the good part. And some wind blows through the curtains. And uh, um, well, I'll never watch a pig eat a hot dog the same way. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there are two. There are two. Okay, so there are two movies I had left on here. One I know very well, and one I don't. I don't. 
I used to watch it all the time. I'm going to, I'm going to name this one because I've said never ending story a bunch. Um, the secret of Nim is mm. a movie that we have discussed a few times, but, um, I haven't seen it in forever, but this was a movie that back in the early days of my family getting HBO, this was one of those movies that I would see over and over and over again. And, you know, in the eighties, uh, again, we talk about how people who made family movies gave zero fucks about whether they scared you or not. Yeah. Uh, there was no idea. There was no idea this of of everybody is a special little snowflake and all that bullshit. It was you know every you know it's like hey we're gonna tell the story, and we're not gonna swear in it. We're not gonna have any like sexual situations. Might be a tad bit of violence though. And and Secret of Nim is one of those kind of movies. Um, a lot of danger and and uh, scariness in it. Um, but it was so good. Don Bluth back in the day, man, Don Bluth was making some great, like counter to the Disney. I don't know if that was Don Bluth part of Disney though. Uh, no, he was always, I think maybe, maybe way back in the early days, but he was, all of his films were like rivals to Disney. Yeah. I think they were rivals, but I don't know which studio came out with the, uh, the Don Bluth. Fox. Maybe it was Fox, yeah. I think Fo- I know Fox did Anastasia, and I think he produced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at Secret of Nim, and it was MGM UA. Oh, all right. Uh, which I think Fox owns, and now Disney owns, probably somehow. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Secret of Nim. I I. I I, I can't really go much into detail about it because I haven't seen it in forever, but I remember it's about this. Uh, it's, is it a, is it a mouse or a rat? It's the, it's a rat. Yeah. And she, and the, and it's a mother of like a lot of children and she has a sick child and she needs to save the sick, sick. She's kid. a mouse. Mouse. <clears throat> oh, okay. But she needs to save the, she needs to save her kid and there. And, and do you do you guys remember a lot about this movie? Maybe you can help fill in some blanks. Yeah, they're going to start plowing the field, and like a yeah. lot of the a lot of the human stuff is viewed as very frightening. That's what they sort of get their horror from, like the farm machinery and whatnot. Um, and she asks the rats to help who are nearby because her kid is sick. Um, right, and. Uh, <clears throat> It just gets fucking weirder from there. I, I, I love this movie, but I, if you are a uh, drug partaking individual, mm, mm. that will only increase your enjoyment and appreciation of this movie. Um, <laughs> it is a fucking trip. If you are a little not sober, I'll tell you. Yeah, that much. I, I definitely need to experience this movie this way. Um, I believe is it is the owl named Nicodemus in this because that's Derek Jacoby. Yes, yes, he is. It's the owl's Nicodemus. He's wise, and the owl scared the fuck out of me because <laughs> he's he's always there's always this danger of him killing Miss Frisbee in this movie mm-hmm. um, because you know because owls and and mice uh, don't exactly get along, <laughs> and she's and she's got to ask him like some questions, and there's like this this 
constant danger about that scene because at any time he could just be like, eh, fuck it. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat her. <laughs> you know, fuck her and her sick kid. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that would have probably fit it to a PG. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Would have gotten an extra rating point for that one. Um, but uh, I remember that being um, one of these type of movies, right? Because it's not geared just towards kids. Kids can obviously enjoy it and be frightened the fuck by it. But parents can watch it too and be like, man, this is actually a really good movie. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that will that will be my, my, uh, my last one for the day. Nice. Very good. Very good. Secret of Nim. Mm-hmm. We talk about being not the uh, target audience. Uh, I happened upon also on Netflix to all the boys I've loved before. Huh. Huh. I also heard it was good, and I was like, you know what? I'm in the mood for a nice light comedy. Now, you, you know, I, I, we talked about kids' movies. This is a junior in high school, sixteen or so. Uh, much like Enola Holmes, but I think this is geared towards a tweener, um, largely female audience. Um, it's it's not going above and beyond as far as losing virginity or into any sexual themes or anything like that. It's just crushes. Largine, main lady, who spends time with her family, loves her family, has three sisters, two sisters. Oh, uh, Jesus. Ha- and her boyfriend too yeah and she's got a john corbett as her dad but she is partially vietnamese i believe Mm -hmm. and so she's got like a a very strong family core uh every time that she crushes on a dude since like she was six years old you you could crush on a dude at six years old i had crushes at six years old Mm -hmm. Uh, she writes a letter to them and she she says this puts all her feelings into a letter Puts it in a box, puts a box away. She has another crush, writes a letter, puts it in the box, box away. Eventually, she's got, I don't know, six or seven crushes uh, stowed away in this closet. And uh, her little sister, who's a little bitch. (laughs) Unapologetically. (laughs) Males. These fucking letters to these crushes because she's addressed them and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? And she thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. This is mortifying for Lara Jean. And like the the first one, she comes out and she sees him reading the letter and she's like, oh, shit. Then there's a complicated love triangle where she really digs on this guy, Josh, who lives next door and still comes over and hangs out with the family. But Josh has been dating her older sister, who's just gone off to college. Okay, so she breaks up with him because you know you got to get around in college. And then Josh is available, but Laura Jean says, "I'm not going to date him because that would just be wrong. He's been up inside my sister." And then he, <laughs> so she puts him aside, but she still really likes him, and so she pretends to date Peter to. <laughs> to uh, make to make sure Josh doesn't doesn't get in there. Now I, I said this is this is tween humor, so I shouldn't say get up in my sister, but they probably did. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. So she starts she starts a uh, 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 fake dating Peter. They have a they have like a, a kind of a agreement, 
And then, of course, the fake dating leads to a real thing that they like each other. And she eventually gets over Josh and likes Peter. There is one thing that I think is very relevant to, uh, to today's thing. They go on like a, I don't know, Bible camp or fucking like chorus camp or something like that. And uh, they get in a hot tub, her and Peter, and they kiss for the first time. Very chaste. They kiss for the first time. But somebody is filming it with their phone. And it looks like it may have been like an actual sexual act. And of mm. course, they post it for everyone to see. So this poor girl is subjected to ridicule, uh, slut shaming for something that she didn't even do. And I can't imagine how often this shit happens to today's youths. And, I, I, nope, and I'm, I'm, I'm being actually serious now. This has got to be like a fucking epidemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was bad when we were in school. Uh, now that everybody has camera phones, it's it's just crazy. But uh, she has this very unique brand of humor, self-deprecating humor that uh, it's it's Lana Condor uh, is the uh, is the main character. And she's fantastic. I would recommend any person see this movie. They did do a second one um, that I haven't seen. I'm not really interested in exploring it more. But this movie is really, really good. To all the boys I've loved before. This was um, this was a thing that came on Netflix that I thought was when I when I started when I started watching it because everybody I think this was trending on Twitter at one point, hmm. and I was like, oh, well, this is something that I might get into, and I thought it was a TV series, so I started watching. <laughs> this is the thing, right? Netflix yeah. doesn't really tell you. So I I started. I was like, I'll watch one episode of this and see if I like it. And then it was like, oh, it's an hour and 39 minutes. Oh, it's a movie. Oh, well, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> and so I've never got around to watching the the whole thing. So I watched maybe five minutes of it. Uh, well, I think you would be rewarded. This is a very Jeremy movie. I think you, uh, you would dig it. Uh, it's got it's got a really nice... <laughs> 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 I like how you. wide you went with it. By the way, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. No kidding. Uh, oh. I think you would enjoy it. It's the wrongest episode we've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun movie. I think any of these movies, I'm actually literally going to check out uh, Little Princess uh, and probably Secret of Nim. Uh, because I have never seen that. Um, any of these, and I've seen Jeremy's movies. Um, any of these would just be a delight to throw on at any point. Have you seen Searching for Bobby Fisher as well? I saw that way back in the day. What was it? Did you say it was ninety three? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw that in the theater. So at the time, it was geared towards me as a twelve, thirteen year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, let's go on to do a question, and then uh, that'll be it. Let's do a question. I'm listening. What are some totally innocuous phrases when said out of the real world that immediately take you to a moment in a movie? One for this person would be keeps it alive. Usually said in sports, although it's a fairly rare or it's fairly rare in the sports that this person watches. Mm. It always makes him think of basketball. The uh, off-derided movie that Chris and I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think probably because it's said so rarely that 
I always think of that movie whenever I hear it said. So what are some phrases that bring you to an exact moment in a movie? Um, so uh, anytime someone ends any kind of sentence with all together, mm-hmm. I think of airplane uh, because there is a point where, uh, you know, Robert Hayes goes up there. They want him to fly the plane. And he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I used to fly planes in the war, but this, this plane has four engines. It's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. <laughs> and Leslie Nielsen and the other flight attendant are like sitting there, they're looking at him. And at the same time they go, it's an entirely different kind of flying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is so fucking brilliant man no it's so good they do that all throughout that movie but um yeah anytime somebody says all together i immediately just go to it's an entirely different kind of fly (laughs) i'll just randomly say that just if somebody says all together um and then um and then if somebody says not that it matters which is tying back into our theme today Anybody says not that it matters. I think of the the turtle in the never ending story who has the sneezing problem and uh, is always like, not that it matters. <laughs> um, so uh, anytime says anybody says that, I immediately go into um, whatever her name was or his name was Enora Agora something. I don't know. Oh yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, not that it matters. It's what he always <laughs> says. Every time Atreo is like, I want to do this and that, not that it matters. So um, uh, <laughs> it's all liar, liar for me in this household, oh. which was one of the first movies that the wife and I bonded over and, and both enjoy equal amounts. And there's so many little innocuous things uh <clears throat> that will just set me off like <clears throat> hang on i just thought of one and it left my mind <laughs> it's so frequently used that i can't <laughs> figure it out uh, it has to be it's when he says the thing in court and and uh, about peeing um and if you hold it too long, it can even have trouble getting an erection. The judge is like, is that true? And he can only tell truths. He can't lie. And so he just says, it has to be. Uh, <laughs> anytime my wife and I say it has to be about anything we're talking about, the other one will immediately go, it has to be. Exactly like Jim Carrey does. Uh, almost anything from that movie will, will spring to mind. Uh, but also another one that always gets me is any talking about inventions or inventing um i go straight to wallace and gromit when he says i'm inventing mostly Uh, (laughs) uh, you can't have a conversation about inventions around me without me eventually talking about cheese nice 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 it's the wrong trousers and they've gone wrong they've gone wrong (laughs) (laughs) i've got a i've got like a, a an answer that goes to several layers of this question because anytime, not anytime, because we say it a lot, but a lot of times when somebody says, I love you to me, or I say, I love you. A lot of times I go, I love you. Always have. I want to marry you, which is from Braveheart. When Braveheart, right. when, when Braveheart, like that's his name in the movie. Yeah, when yeah. Braveheart, right, exactly. when William Wallace takes his first chica 
out to the uh, uh, the pasture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and in the middle of the woods to go start banging <laughs> to propose. Uh, he says, she's like, you know, oh, that's a weird proposition for me. He's like, I love you. Always have. I want to marry you. <laughs> uh, and it's Scottish Brogue. This was parodied in basketball. It was. <laughs> there was a moment where, like, they're arguing, uh, Matt uh, Stone and Trey Parker are arguing. And uh, they resolve it, and they're like, "I love you, always have." Uh, so anyway, that's that's what it makes me feel uh, feel like. And uh, a weird one with the Godfather with me is uh, when somebody says you're out, like uh, you're out of the club or you're out of something, that kind of thing. Something that happens infrequently. It's it reminds me of when Michael Michael Corleone is telling uh, Tom Hagen that he's out as consigliere mm-hmm. and that Carlo is in. And it's it, because it's the funniest line of maybe the entire series of The Godfather. Uh, Vito comes over to Tom and Tom's like, maybe I can help. And that's when Michael says, you're out. And Vito sits down and he's like, I never thought you were a bad consigliere. I thought Santino was a bad Don. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> He says the worst thing about his son, and then he's like, "Rest in peace." Just as a complete throwaway. So that makes me think of that. I I, I love I love Brando's Brando's performance in that movie. I don't think gets enough credit if you can believe that, Uh, because everybody talks about uh, uh, Al Pacino and uh, uh, James Caan and all that, but Brando, man. He is a powerhouse in that movie. Well, and, and so much of the story about how he did that performance has gotten out too. So there's oh, of reading the the script, reading the script. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's like scripts in the drawers, and he's like not wearing <laughs> pants and whatever. Um, but uh, it's funny the, the when you said "I love you," and I had, I had read your your answer. Uh, so I knew I knew that you were going to do Braveheart, but in this brief moment, I just realized that I have one when anybody says I love you, and that is South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut, <laughs> where <laughs> where it's I love you. Yeah, another <laughs> Matt Stone Parker connection. <laughs> yes. So anytime, and so it, it, that doesn't even have to be said. Sometimes it just you can just be like you say something that's tough for somebody to hear, maybe or like a little bit of bad news, and they're like just sitting there like taking it, and you're just like, "I love you." I, love you. <laughs> I wish I could believe that. <laughs> okay. Oh, the dumb. I say it. I say it. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this week. Keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. We're on SoundCloud, and we're on um, Discord. And if you want to get on Discord, uh, either go to our Reddit page and find a link on the right side of the page there, or go to our Facebook and private message me, and I will give you a link there. We That's are everywhere. We, we, are, we everywhere. are everywhere. Also, I don't know if you put that on there, but uh, it's in the show notes. But go to cinemasensincast at gmail.com if you want to email us directly. Mm. Uh, we've gotten some great questions. Uh, found some old friends through that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it just it, you, you, can, you can reach us. We have positioned ourselves over the last five years in many, 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 many places. And, yes, we are coming up on our five-year anniversary. Insane. Right? 
insane <laughs> every week uh, but uh yeah that's gonna do it for this week it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com What did we decide that it's just NASA astronauts they call it that or NASA personnel that call it that? I don't what think I we heard. decided anything, but it sounds um, it seems like they're the only ones that ever use that. That's what I heard was that that was but that that was just through people on like Discord, I think. There's probably a couple of astronauts there. <laughs> yeah. There was, you know, they were probably saying Gemini, and there was probably some guy who's like, "Hey, I thought this was pronounced Gemini." Shut the fuck up, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> That's Steve. how we end up with Lafayette and Lafayette. This is, you know, it's America. We just do weird shit. Mm-hmm. That's why Ameri- they're uh, Nashvilleans are super proud of Lafayette and Santa Fe. That's right. They're like, it, "Oh no, we call it Laf- Lafayette around they say here." Lafayette in Georgia too. There's a whole fucking city called Lafayette. Nah, man. I think somebody would get their ass kicked if they said that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I see. I, I browse Pitchfork every once in a while, and the, the, just completely randomly, they'll be like, the greatest album, the 100 greatest albums of 1998. Yeah. <laughs> and of course I'm going to look. I Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was um, I was looking at Pitchfork the other day, and I, I, am, I guess my musical tastes are like some like some people's movie tastes like oh well you know you think you like the, some music i'm like oh this is really good and i'm i'm sure pitchfork is going to give it a bad grade but i'm mm. like i'm like why are you giving it a bad grade and a lot of mm-hmm. times i don't understand the reasoning behind it like for instance okay i like keen okay i like keen and i like the dude who the lead singer of keen and when he does yeah. Um, What's with I don't think there's anything wrong with Keen, but like every album I looked up on Pitchfork, 4.5, <laughs> 5.3. And I was reading, I was reading the uh, review and they were like, like, yeah, they're here for their over emotional solo, like over emotional singing and blah, 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 and overproduce this and that. And I'm like, I'm like, what, what's, what's wrong with what you're saying? Like what no, makes no. it bad? I don't get that. I don't mm. get that. That's them being cantankerous. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, like when I'm when I'm discussing movies, I can usually discuss what's bad about something, and I might have like a a stupid reason for hating something every once in a while. But but like singing emotionally, that's bad. <laughs> he sings too loud i don't like loud I was, uh, there's because there's a because every every once in a while when i have it on epic awesome videos right after that jules holland will come on and it's at this point i've seen all the jules hollands apparently that they ever have ever had even though there's like 300 <laughs> episodes and uh and like and, and i just keep seeing the same ones over and over the m83 one the one with kings of leon on it the one with yeah. you know and uh there's one and i don't know the lead singer of Kane's name but 
he he there's a couple of songs he does on that and i'm like oh i'm really digging this i didn't know alexander keen yeah alexander keen <laughs> um i'm like i'm really digging this and i and i didn't even know i thought it was just keen but it was it was just him doing a solo thing so i looked up the solo album and they're like yeah he sucks <laughs> <laughs> what a weird format. I never liked the Jules Holland stuff. I, I I appreciate what he's doing, but it's so hard for me to reconcile like shifting from like funk blues to like Americana. Yeah. <laughs> to it's, like it is kind of weird, but I think that's sort of the that is sort of the appeal of it. It is. It is. And I totally understand it. And there are times where I, I really do dig it. And you can tell that the the artists dig it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like everybody's just sitting there watching each other. And then they go right into it with no – there's no banter. There's no like, hey, that was really good, by the way. You know, it's just like you perform like a little monkey and then you, you're – Yeah. You're gone. Yeah. There. Pretty much. You hit your symbols and you go. Ding, 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 ding. Is it is it uh, is it ultimately just you you just can't appreciate that kind of music if you're older? I, I feel like that's um that's unfair in some way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, because because you know that some of this music later on is going to be deemed once all these people who are like 15 and 16 or whatever grow up and they become rock critics and everything, they're going to be like, this is a genius album. It was totally poo-pooed at the time. I'm like, well, what were we supposed to listen to at the time? You know, I, I know that there's that whole, I know that there's a young ears and old ears thing where we like our stuff that we grew up with and we like stuff that sort of branches off of that older stuff and so on and so forth. But, um, feels like to me, yeah, I don't know. I like a lot of new music though. I mean, I do too. I don't. I just don't know if I'm listening to everything that's going to be, you know, the all the all the rage. Some so. people just don't. I just don't think they stay open. I think satellite radio has helped me a great deal mm-hmm. to stay open and find new music because back when I just had AM FM, there were really only was really only one station that Q one was it Q one one? No, that's Chicago. It was really only Lightning one hundred. Was really only mm-hmm. the station that played a kind of music I really liked. And then there were a couple pop stations and then a bunch of country and maybe a hard rock state. I was limited in what new music I was being exposed to. And satellite radio has blown that up for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a massive playlist going on YouTube that is just every time I find a new song that I like on satellite radio, I add it to the playlist and it's, you know, there's not a single like U2 or Counting Crows on there, baby. It's all yeah. <laughs> shit I never heard of before five years ago. Yeah. Future. Yeah, see, and I like Billie Eilish a lot. I do yeah, too. But and that video is fucking awesome. I do too. But do you think that we all know at least one person, I think, that when Springsteen comes to town for three nights, goes every single night, right? Everybody knows a guy like that, right? (laughs) Is that guy listening to Billie Eilish? No, no. That guy's listening to Springsteen every day and that's fine. That's, I'm not, I'm just trying to explain um, sort of the pitchfork mindset is that, you know, I think new music is often seen as too new to be trusted as great. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, and I, yeah. also, you've got to think about this too. They're listening to this album, what, maybe twice at most? Mm-hmm. They'll they, tell I mean, you they probably have, 20, but no way. Yeah, and I can't imagine that they're sitting there listening to something that on initial listen, they're like, oh, I don't like this. And then the second time, they're giving it a fair shake. And, you know, I mean, you really have to, like, albums are like, uh, things that you try at the grocery store, right? You have to, you have to have them in your house. You have to be, you have to live with them for a while before you really go, that is something that I like, or that's something I really am not going to get anymore. Um, and everything. And, and that's the way albums are. Albums are like, in the first couple of listens, you might be like, I mm-hmm. don't know. I kind of mm-hmm. like that one song and maybe this other one. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I like this one too. And that one. And then yep. it takes a few listens before you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this this is a bad album, actually. <laughs> I hated that uh, that Harry Styles' Adore You song until mm-hmm. I didn't. And yeah. now I fucking love it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, this is a step backward. Oh, yeah. Suddenly the magic has has come in. Chris Pine is also in that movie, by the way. So hey, Olivia yeah. Wilde directing... Chris Pine, Florence Pugh, and Harry Styles. I'm fucking there. For that. A lot I'm of there. sexy. You had me That's at a Chris lot of Pine. sexy. Director is sexy, mm-hmm. and everybody involved is sexy. You had me yeah. at Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You liked that guy a lot. Did you I ever do. watch uh, Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit? Um, yeah, you've asked me that before. I haven't seen it, I haven't <laughs> no, seen it after recently. I was effusive in my, my praise. No, either. I have not. No. All right. All right. All right. Fine. Just fine. 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 Yeah. fine. Be that fine. fucking way. Fine. Fuck you. What is your conspiracy theory? Yes, hit, hit us with the oh. COVID. You know, it's it's pretty simple. I think it's pretty simple. I thought from the beginning, when you didn't hear anything from uh, training camp, like no positive tests, and then the then you started playing games of week one and all that, no positive tests, conf- confirmation. Then week two, no positive tests uh, before we started our, our thing. And then, you know, week three, uh, the Saturday tests all came back negative. Then today we hear limited number of cases, one team. My my theory is that they've been sitting on data. They've been falsifying data on mm-hmm. COVID tests because it's almost impossible uh, for them to do this. They wanted to open the season and they didn't really, it would have been billions of dollars they would have lost. They wanted to open the season. They control the data. And they just didn't let it out. There's got to be positive tests. There has to be positive tests. Mm. There was that one time where they had a bunch of positive tests with like the Jets, I think. Mm-hmm. And then it came out and they're like, oh, no, those were false positives. Those were false positives. Mm-hmm. This this reeks to me of a conspiracy. And what, 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 how this fits into it is that you take a small market team, smaller market team. Uh, they have a small outbreak, less than double figures. Right. And it's only small. And then you can say, oh, well, there was a tiny blip, but we've contained it. And now everything is back to because if they went the whole season with no tests, no one would believe it. But if you can control little blips and maybe they'll lose a couple of games and everything, uh, then you can have a fuller season. You can get all the way through the playoffs. See, I thought you were going to come in. Yeah. Or MLB is doing. I thought you were going to come heavy with like. The government flat out paid the NFL and NFLPA to play, and they took the money, and that's why um, they're playing. And now I'm they're not ruling playing. that out, <clears throat> honestly. 
because there's they're so connected. I mean, these these owners are the wealthiest people in the world. Eighteen right? of them are Trump donors, from what I read. I wouldn't. I, I would not call you crazy if you said that to my conspiracy. I am. You know me. I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist, but like this just is so fishy to me that it's impossible. It's impossible. It's fishy to me because it's fishy to me that all four major sports came back and played. Right. Right. Yes. Like there wasn't one of them. And like, now you got the Big Ten, which we're not going to play. And then suddenly, two weeks yes. in, oh shit, we better play. Well, because you start seeing the money exactly. that you've lost. It's the money is driving everything. The money is this. Driving this everything. does not make sense to me. It, it, COVID is going up again. Yes. You know, there's no fucking way. Okay, and and here's my smoking gun. Basically, you don't think okay. So NFL, maybe you can trust. Half of these guys to go home, fuck their wives, stay in quarantine uh, when they when and, and then go back to the stadium and that's it. Go to the grocery store, have a mask on. Is Adam these Jones college athletes? Do you think Kansas State when they beat fucking uh, uh, Oklahoma or Mississippi State when they beat LSU? You don't think those motherfuckers went out and partied their face off? I don't even think they have to have a victory to go out and party their face off. They're college yeah, they're fucking students. college students. Mm. Yeah, so. So the fact that you know there's only little pockets uh, in, uh, in in college football is a whole other story. But I, I think with the NFL, they've they've kept this under wraps so hard. I bet you there's handlers for each individual player, and this is costing a lot of money. That make sure there's no photos taken of these guys when they go out to their strip clubs, to their all you can eat buffets, where you can eat sushi off of somebody's nipple and shit like that. Ooh, those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I yeah, love exactly. nipple sushi. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Sometimes you get a trace of milk, but that's all right. I don't and actually think, for I the think... record, they let you eat it directly off her nipple. Oh, I don't even think pay more. I did it all wrong then. Yeah, I don't think gotta... the nipple even... I mean, I've never been, but I think you just, like, you use the... Use the the wooden sticks and you and you pick it up off the, the stomach right no you have to pay more man that's the reason why it's, no it's, nipples. A, it's a free market man it's like a body shot like you take the uni out of the uh <laughs> out of the belly button and you just slurp that shit i'm up. just saying if you're eating sushi directly off of a nipple mm-hmm. this yes. is this is beyond a strip club this is like a porn shoot and certainly not a, a fine sushi restaurant. I would not trust, trust the quality of this food. I mean, you, you are, you are conflating eating sushi off of someone's nipple with a sexual act. So <laughs> yeah, she's just the service. She knows her role. All right. She knows her nipples are devices. She knows by her sushi which roll. Get you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. There's like a set of rules, uh, and it's like don't eat anything off the nipple. The Probably nipple violates health codes. It, it depends on what kind of place you go. Hey, to. if the health inspector comes in and you're eating sushi off of a stripper's nipples, that probably knocks it knocks you get down about five points. You'd look I like think the, so. You'd look like, like Jules and Vincent from the Bonnie situation, where you're like you're holding <laughs> the sushi above the nipple. <laughs> I I thought from the very beginning of the season when they said no positive tests, no positive. These are thousands and thousands of people. It, by the way, these guys are high risk, like seekers, right? They play football 
because they're they they like high risk contact and shit like that. Mm-hmm. High reward, lots of money. It doesn't doesn't work. I think there's going to be a scandal over that'll be discovered five years from now, where it's like the NFL covered up, you know, twenty five thousand COVID cases, and we'll be like, ah, eh, whatever. They, yeah. they played their season, and Green Bay won the Super Bowl. Mm, yeah. Hey, you know, I saw Lucy Hale um, dyed Ooh, her hair you? red. Yeah. All right. I saw an article, and I clicked through. And and it was her hairstylist that posted it. And it was this lovely little post about, and she looks good with any hair color. Also, thanks for COVID testing with me before the session. And I'm like, do you can... If you're Lucy Hale, who's lovely, can you just go to CVS and buy a celebrity COVID test to get your hair done? Like, or do you well, that's what call I'm saying. a service? Or how does this these, work? I don't know. These uh, these NFL players are getting tested, and the NBA players are getting tested daily, daily, multiple times, sometimes, multiple times. Why can't I go out and just get a free goddamn fucking test? Yeah, and yeah. just every day show if I do or do not have it. We've started the rant portion of the podcast. Of <laughs> God the damn. Yeah, this is something I heard early on is that, yeah, rich people can pretty much just get it. Just get it whatever Shit. they want. I saw, um, who's that girl that used to date Wilder Valmanama? Valmanama? Demi Lovato. I saw Demi Lovato. Like, that could be 500 women. Really. <laughs> she, yes, it could. She tweeted out uh, like six months before Rocket Man <laughs> came out. Um, got uh, got a chance to see a screener of the Rocketman movie and I thought it was fantastic and I almost tweeted out what the fuck man if you're famous can you just call the studio and go can I see this movie six months early and they say yes like I think I, think I want to yes. be famous just for that privilege you like, know she's got she's got a security uh, guy that's saying you're famous now you got to get screeners. Yeah. Get screeners <laughs> for, for your movies. You can't go out to a movie theater. You're me, I need you to take your uh, phone through the through your house and uh, give me a, give me the square footage and all that shit. Spend a lot of time in your bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> spend a lot of time in the bathroom. I want you to I want you to I want you to go through the uh through your wife's dresser drawer and uh <laughs> keep, go through keep, the routine uh, of taking a shower so I yeah, can see exactly where you're vulnerable. Exactly, exactly what will be happening when you take a shower. <laughs> Do you guys think this is a feasible conspiracy theory, by the way? Sure. 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 Right, so it's not I too mean, We're gonna have to see more like stuff come out before it, you know. If I mean, it, you know, it's got to be more than this this incident. It's not as though the league didn't, you know, a couple of years ago settle a very high profile collusion case. Um, <laughs> so, well, a collusion yeah. case and a concussion case. Yeah, you know, you got the Kaepernick thing, and then you got this. So, yeah, they don't have the best track record. She's tiny, man. You a dwarfer? I would. You'd have to just look straight down. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> just be like hey tall, hey tall people don't have to only date tall people that's uh, heightism but he likes tall I women do, i do but it, it, i'm not i'm not exclusive <laughs> <laughs> just uh, do the uh gattaca surgery and make her legs longer <laughs> yeah the gattaca surgery yeah sure uh, hey sure, baby, we've been dating for a few months. I got a, I got an idea. I want to run. I know, I know a place downtown. They do the Gattaca surgery. God, that could be the answer to the, the fucking question from later on. 
Let's do the Gattaca surgery. What's the, what's the problem with this? Come on, Dollface. Go to do the Gattaca uh, surgery. I used to be 5'11", then I got Gattaca. <laughs> now I'm 6'3". <laughs> now I can have intercourse standing. <laughs> oh, we have fun. <laughs> <laughs>